Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, where incarnate memories prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. Why have I been so long in between episodes? Just life got in the way. Been running around, taking kid to college. Then it turned into dealing with uh, him in student health at UVA after he got a, a couple of stitches in a flag football game. Who knew flag football was so intense? I've got Cynthia Mathis Howard with us today. Sin, what's up? I'm Hensky in the house. You got the coolest UVA shirt. I think I'm going to like swing by your house in Rye and steal that one day when I know you're away. I thought I had to give me some mojo, some like Wahoo mojo to get, a good, get me good, get us going. Awesome. Well, hey, we got a lot of catching up to do. And you and I caught up for lunch after, it was, I think it was right after the Amy Mitchell episode, right? How great is she, by the way? I mean, I listened her entire podcast and then I listened to Breen's and then I listened to Yates and I'm like oh my gosh these people are incredible yeah when you say all that I seem to have like a huge number of women on the podcast good I think, wow. I think I, I, it pretty much means I haven't changed since college is that pretty much what you're, you're, you're not guy. You're nodding, you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, because you're that guy. All right, so you're now I got to get I gotta get a dude on next. But that's all right, cool. So, all right, let's bring it back. You're rocking it out in high school. You're a three-sport athlete. You're looking at colleges. Northwestern is breathing down your back to get you. You choose UVA. What was going on? Give me the background to that. So what's so interesting is when you're in high school and you're you know, 17 years old, maybe 18, you don't even really know at that point that the world is, you know, you have a lot of options. And my high school coaches were terrific, all of them. My lacrosse coach, Joanne Yusko, she would always, she would always say our team, I mean, our team was unbelievably talented. Actually, the whole starting team, all of us played D1 lacrosse. If you can believe that, like you would have thought at the time, like shouldn't the college have recruited us all, like a new program been like, go. Um, but it was a really great family of women. And my coach in high school, Joanne Yesko, was the roommate at Westchester University with the head coach at Northwestern. Her name, her name was T Cindy Timshaw, who's presently the head coach at Navy. And I, from the beginning, Cindy was great. Cindy was a basketball player. There was like, she was such a, I, I just really admired her. And so I went out for a recruiting trip, flew out to Chicago. I was blown away with Chicago. I'd never been there. Again, I'm 17 years old. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a new world. It's beautiful. And I really enjoyed my enjoyed it there. The, the girls were so nice. The thing that I walked away with, though, that was so like, I wasn't expecting is that. So Friday, I get there Friday afternoon. I go on a tour with Cindy. I meet the girls who are going to host me for the night. And they're basically like, we're going to take you over to some other another girl's place because we had to go to the library. I'm like, what? 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 Okay. Okay. So that was like, I walked away like, oh my gosh, these students, they're really students first. Like they're really um, academic. And so, you know, put that up against when I went down to UVA, um, met Jane Miller and Julie Dayton, who are just terrific, you know, humans on their own merit. And hosting me was Julie Myers, or Julie Plasnick, who's now Julie Myers, the head coach of the women's lacrosse team at UVA. And Jill Dunham, I know, I don't know if you know Jill Dunham, uh, she was a Zoomer, which is kind of funny too, how they, how life works out. We don't hold that against her. Not even a little bit. Her. She's awesome. And she, uh, she hosted me and we had a really great weekend, really fun weekend. And I remember on the drive home with my dad back to Philadelphia, I said that felt more like 
a place that I could really uh, hang up my stick and hang for a while. I really love the whole culture of that, the team. Well, you know, when you hear library on a Friday night, it, in my mind, it, it depends a little bit, right? So if it was Clemens Library at, at Club Clem, maybe that's okay. But if it was Alderman, then the, the dork quotient is like way high up there. That's a total no-go. That's a no-go. Clemens, you're just kind of just like see what everyone's doing. You're chit-chatting and then, you know, that's part of like a Friday night. Sure. You're right. Yeah, I mean, the and if you're a first year, it's if you think about it, Clemens is halfway between the dorms and the Biltmore, right? So it wouldn't be inconceivable for you to walk from the dorms. And what what were you in? I think you were in Ball's dorm, right? Oh, Ball's. Yep. Okay. Is that still called Ball's? I hope so. God, it seems like a like Beavis and Butthead that if you said like you lived in Ball's, that they would just rock that one out with the joke. But okay, I'm going to move on with that one before I get into any sort of lawsuit. But if you're thinking about it, like Clem is halfway through, but Northwestern, that's not how they rolled. They had they had Alderman or Alderman. Those were the two choices. So if those kids were in the, the library on Friday, then we're out. So, okay, so here we are. We're in Ball's dorm. We're hanging out, partying, rocking, rocking it out. What was first year like? What do you remember? My roommate was an athlete, Stacy Chaplin, Riccardi now. She was, uh, we played field hockey and lacrosse together and we had a ton of fun. What was great is we all, we both were in the same world, like had to get up early and go lift or had to get up early and run down to Scott stadium. Like we were on the same schedule. So at night when our sweet mates were partying, we're like, guys, we got to get up early. They must've hated us. Like, I wonder, but then when we, like, after we won a game, we wanted to get a party and have fun. We were all the loud, like obnoxious ones. And, you know, Wednesday night, they're like the Philly girls clam it. So we, uh, we had a great, great first year. We had a purple rug and we had matching Ziggy comforters. Why do we think that was cool? It was not cool. Now, what was there a certain fashion magazine or decorating magazine that you looked at for that fuzzy purple <laughs> rug? And by the way, did you bring the purple rug from home or did you buy it somewhere in town? <laughs> it was, all right, this is even worse. And no one's ever asked me this question. It came from my grandmother who lived outside of Richmond and we were cleaning out her house. And I think it just happened at the same time. And my parents were like, why don't you just take, why don't you just take Graham's purple shag? And I'm like, yes, I will. So, oh, so it was a family heirloom and it was a rug <laughs> that's been passed from generation to generation. And are, are any of your boys, are they, um, you have one at South Carolina. Does he have the rug in his room or do you save it for the youngest? It's, is it like a, it has to be female in generation. What, what's the background to that? I really hope it's, it's still on the ground somewhere living in infamy, maybe on like a garage floor somewhere or an attic. We did pass it along to other lacrosse players after Stacy and I um, were done with it. So you'll be happy to know that it did continue on uh, within that heralded walls. Um, I think of the new dorms, in fact. Well, it's interesting you say that because I can speak with relative certainty because of my son, the rug on the floor tradition, which you started clearly has held up over the years. Um, and there's a new part of it too, that I understand in my son's room, uh, it tends to be more of the party room and they don't allow people to wear shoes in their room because of the rug. So we're talking about you today and your famous rug, which has stood the test of time at UVA and within your family, which is phenomenal. So you like you're playing sports. Was there any academics going on for you the first year or what was happening there? I did not do very well my first semester academically. I know that's a gigantic shock, but I um, we were having a lot of fun. We made sure we went to like DU on Thursday nights because my roommates had an older brother who was a fourth year at DU. So we were kind of like this little sister thing at DU on Thursday nights. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know if DU was there when you went there, but that was a lot of fun Thursday nights. And I feel like the field hockey team was a ton of fun. We, we always had something to do. We always had events to go to. I mean, it can happen. I, I might've gone below a... Uh, it might've been below like a two five. It wasn't pretty. Well, yeah. I mean, you had those parties going on with the team, but then I think you also did the sorority thing. If memory serves me correct. 
I did. And that was in the spring of my first year. Maybe my spring was my lowest GPA, but don't you worry, UVA Athletics, they had this tutoring program that got us all back on track. Yeah. So, so you were so happy with your grades the first semester that you decided to rush the second semester to really pile it on. Yes. Yes. I thought that was a good idea at the time and probably still is to this day because I'm really glad I rushed the sorority. That was, that, was, that was pretty mature, Sin. You were really yep. you were on your years, though. Are you surprised at 18? Yeah. yeah, that was a great idea. So, okay. So great. So like, all right, we did the whole first year thing and then you moved off grounds, I assume to somewhere. And the Oxford, which was those apartments, you know, those are off of 14th. They were great. And there were four of us. We shared, we had two bedrooms and we each shared a room and we had a blaster. They're all field hockey and lacrosse players. Stacy, that same Stacy Chaplin, Kim O'Keefe and Robin Nye. Oh my gosh. What a crew. What a crew. So and then, um, you know, it's interesting. We're going to talk about your formal athletic endeavors, but really your claim to fame was not a national championship. It was really the intramural sports, right? Oh my gosh. And I hope Jay Miller's not listening because I don't even think we were allowed to play intramural sports. Okay. So I didn't want to break it to you. You definitely violated like 17 million team rules with that one. And by the way, it wasn't just in what was it? Basketball. But the now strenuous sport of billiards. <laughs> okay, I got your laugh. That means she, she can't even, she's laughing so hard, she can't even give me an answer to that very serious question. Tell me about that. Oh my gosh, you know what's so funny about the billiards one is that it came down, there was like, Zeta sent two people. My, my sister is also a, a Zeta and a field hockey, I mean, a lacrosse player at UVA. So my sister, two years younger, I think I mentioned that to you at lunchtime. And what was very funny is that two women from Zeta, we signed up for billiards because, you know, Zeta always sent people to every little intramural thing. We had to, like that was part of Zeta's thing. And so my sister and I both won it and we met each other in the finals. And then what was so funny is that we played, I happened to win and we're like laughing about the whole thing. But when you win like that, you get invited to the next level. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're, I, I can't go to the next level. I have a game. Like I'm, it was at like University of Kentucky. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm so sorry. Someone else from Zeta is going to have there. So they like, like went down the line. My sister couldn't go either. So it went down the line, but it was just so funny. We got this in the mail. And I think I even have the letter that says, congratulations, you've been invited to the next, you know, the regional level of billiards intramurals. Wow. Oh, That's impressive. You know, and our listeners, they're saying, well, why would her coach have a problem with her doing billiards? But okay, time to come out now. It wasn't just billiards that you were doing. There was a basketball tournament in there too. I know. And again, sorry, Jane. I think Jane must have known. Jane and Julie probably knew we were all pretty athletic. The only thing we weren't allowed to do, and probably the same for you with soccer, we were not allowed to ski. We were not allowed to downhill ski. That was like the taboo, no, no, no. I'm not sure we were allowed to play basketball, but we all played basketball in high school and we all loved it. So we're like, yeah, we'll play. And like, probably didn't really think about it. That wasn't that smart during the season, but we had a lot of fun. We had some really great, like it was, I remember it being really exciting. And I remember at the end, all like a lot of our Zeta sisters came to watch us in Mem Gym. And uh, it was a lot of, it was a, a great memory. Well, we're going to get into the skiing question when we start talking about your first jobs out of college, but let's stay on college now. Okay. Tell me any stories from your first couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some silly ones. Um, I do remember one that my friend, cause I was texting some of my buddies. I'm like, can you guys remember some funny stuff? Because they're like, oh my gosh. Well, how PG do you need to be? I'm like, okay, we're going to be PG. We're going to be good. Um, but one, a funny one was that I broke my nose playing field hockey. Um, we were up at University of Delaware. So the rest of the season, I had to wear this like Jason, like Friday the 13th mask on my face the whole time. But I do remember the funny part is a bunch of our guy friends came to Scott Stadium to watch us play. Again, I'm wearing a mask. I'm wearing a weird, like awful looking mask. And I, Jane pulled me out of the game to chat and chat with me. And uh, I picked the mask up and from the stands and people remember this and laughed out loud. You hear a guy screaming, put the mask back on. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, 
I look up, I'm like, oh my, oh my God. Okay. So we all got a, a pretty good uh, chuckle out of that. So yes, I did have a wear because my nose was all messed up and I had these like big, like, oh, like big bruises under my eyes. I mean, cause like, you know, you take a stick to the face and that's what happens. Speaking um, of the marches, you, I know you still drink tuna today, right? Oh, no, I can't. I, I was thinking about it and I can't even drink wine punch. It's like, it, it brings up this like wretched, like it was, it, well, I, we had way too mu much fun drinking tuna, like eating the fruit from the tuna. Cause evidently that like helps with their vitamin C. You might as well, you're already in the, in the trash can. They're like, stick your hand in there, grab an orange. Delicious. Yeah. I mean, even back then we were very concerned about our nutrition. So even though we were drinking away, we were, consuming fruit which is oh, yeah. good yeah God, yes i have not consumed tuna since uh this that would be my third year that would be 19 spring of 1990 oh my gosh that's awesome so awesome okay so keep it going so give me some more stories i know you have oh like a billion um, another idea another funny story that my friend brought up and like remember when you dressed up as a mascot i'm like oh my gosh so like I worked for the Virginia Athletic Foundation as my internship, my fourth year. So it was BSAF at the time. Wood Seelig was one of the associate ADs. I don't know if you ever knew him. He's awesome. Um, and we had to work 10 hours a week. And I was in charge of, uh, it was women's basketball was one of the sports. Actually, soccer was one of my sports I worked on too. And would do like halftime shows, like quizzes or like three-point shots or half shot. You know, any, you know, we always did the things in the middle, tried to sell tickets, try to make it fun. And I was in charge of the mascot game with a halftime of one of the women's basketball games at home. And so I had to contact all these companies that had mascots. So like one of them uh, is, you know, Jeffrey Giraffe from Toys R Us, Tony the Tiger from Kellogg's, the Michelin Man from Michelin. Like, can you imagine? Like, this is what I was doing. I had so much fun. I was like, I guess this exists. And so just got on the phone calling people because it was just a blast. And ended up, you know, I think we did like four on four, maybe even five on five, full court. You were in your mascot costume playing basketball, the halftime of a women's basketball team. And I got to dress up like Jeffrey Giraffe. And the, the head, my head was at the bottom of the neck, like in the Adam's apple. So you can imagine like my, like my hat, my, my head was a really good blocker. Good okay. way up. Okay, cool. And so tell me about the imp tapping. You you drank so much tuna, you don't quite remember remember it, but I believe that the song Like a Virgin from Madonna was involved with it. I absolutely do. I do remember, and I wish my brain were a little sharper when it comes to this, you know, 30, maybe 25 years ago. But I do remember we were dancing at the hall. And I remember the hall, I don't know if you remember that like big room in the back where there was like no furniture and just like tunes. It was probably like a big boom box or something, Tom. But I don't know if you remember, they would like put all the furniture on the side. And so we would jump up on the furniture and like, it was probably like a prayer or like, like probably like a prayer, like a virgin's good too. But then I, I remember I was always dancing to Madonna there. And I remember this, like this group coming in and it was very, very scary. I felt like, who are these people? And I was like, and then they circled around me. I was like, what is going on? What? I was so like freaked. And uh, they put like this thing on my head and then they blindfolded me. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And then they walked out and everyone's like chanting something. And I was like, what? I don't know what's happening. So I do remember that we had to go, we went to college in maybe or something like that. But I think we stopped along the way and had to drink on the lawn, the tuna. I think we had to had more than one or two glasses of tuna and then went to college in and we walked in. There were all these people. It was really a special night. I was so not expecting it and I had no idea what it was all about. It was really kind of amazing. It was novel. I had never seen it even before. It's, those were so much fun. And you think about it and just you rope in Madonna with that. It was What was your favorite Madonna song? Do you remember? Like a prayer, like a prayer, because you had to like hold the wall. Like, how does that one go? Like, remind yeah, me. I don't like a prayer, your voice can take me there, just like it means to me. That one. You are wow. missing. You know how you know when you don't know a song and you you tear you like sing it, like a prayer in the air. Yeah, like I know a couple of them. I knew like like a virgin. Right. 
Oh my God, you're a rock star. That was awesome. I love it. Okay, so now you're in the Imps. Any, uh, what do you remember from the Imps? I remember Sunday nights going to that cathedral and we would have so much fun. So it was like Sunday at nine, I think. I, I, something like that. And I remember being in that cool chapel, I guess, not really a cathedral, in the chapel. And I didn't really know anybody. I, which is, again, I loved about that group is like I knew Sam Farnham because he did the internship with me in VSAF. I knew Pam Feinauer um, from some classes. Um, I didn't really know. I knew uh, Andy Krause, of course. He was a lacrosse player. Um, but I felt really welcome. And everyone really like came from such different areas of the university. It wasn't just athletes, certainly. We were only like maybe, you know, 10, 15%, maybe. The rest of them were like super do-gooders, like running things, like raising money, like running the honor committee, like living on the lawn and what, you know. These folks were really impressive. But what I loved about them is that they had this sense of urgency about them, but they didn't take themselves too seriously. Yeah, that's hard nowadays, right? We do take ourselves way too seriously, myself included. Myself, I know. Yeah. I know. Why do we do this? I don't know. How did that it, we we need to re be reminded, Tom. Yeah, I, I kind of. Uh, that's what I love most about these podcasts that you don't, you know, no one's taking themselves too seriously. I haven't, I haven't had a guest yet where I said to myself, "Wow, this person needs to lighten up." Right, like just right. it's like not. I hope even, not. It's not. I, would, I don't think so. I don't think in the inch or even fossil. I hope not. I hope that everyone's learned that because that was a. Um, it's a true like when you really think about going across the line of most folks that were imps, they didn't take themselves too seriously. And like we each had like a PBR every night. I don't know if you guys did that, but we each someone would always bring like two six packs of uh, PBR, and we'd all drink a PBR like that was part of our thing. Um, so that was third year. And then I was uh, the queen of the imps, my fourth year. So I also got to keep the book. And I think you and I mentioned this at lunch, but where is the book? Where's the book? It was this like, beautiful Harry Potter type, gorgeous, look like the Old Testament book. Where is it? All right. We got to track that book down. We got to track the book down. We got to find out if that's been digitized or it kind of reminds me of that might've gone away with the VHS tapes. <laughs> no, but the queen would keep the notes. Who was there? What did we talk about? All the silly things that we were devising. There was always a portion on service, always a portion on what are we doing to the Zoomers? Like, I don't know. There were, and there's always a joke, right? I would love to find that book. I really, let me know how we do. I, I don't, maybe we talk to the current imps and see where, if we know where it is. Yeah, we got to get on that because it's probably now a Google Doc, but we got we to gotta, we gotta find Isn't that. sad? So yeah, I was in charge of the book. I had to bring it home with me at night and keep it like under my bed or wherever I kept it. And then I had to bring it to the meeting. meeting. And then, you know, I was going to ask you about your major or just talk about it because I know what your major was. You were so good that they discontinued your major when you left UVA. Sports management, right? Sports management. Like, can you believe that? Why would they discontinue such a popular, applicable major? In my class was also Dirk Katstra, who's now the executive director of VAF. He's been in that role for probably you know, 20, 25 years. I, I mean, there's been there's some great people who graduated from that. I don't know why they discontinue it. So that's, I was glad I studied it. I was glad they had it when I was there. I'm bummed it's not there now, though. Well, you know, because also in that school was the sports psych class. And I've been um, listening to a couple books on tape. My daughter plays soccer. So we're traveling all over the world, you know, not world, but like the Fairfield County world, which yeah, is yeah. not the world. Um, but we've been listening to Bob Rotella. Yeah, he was my advisor. Oh, man, he was he's awesome. He's really and he's he in the awesome. golf world, too. So that's totally yeah. And we're going to swing into that any second, but not quite yet. By the way, were you golfing when you were in college? No, no. I wish I had. I didn't really even know how to play golf. I, yeah, I might have taken a golf class, though. You know how we had to take two phys ed classes? I think I did out at Birdwood. And I think that was the first time I'd even swung a golf club because I didn't play growing up. I, you know, didn't really. Yeah, I was more like the one credit weight training class to satisfy my PE requirement. I could never understand. I thought it was wrong that I had played a varsity sport in Virginia and I still had to get two credits in P 
PE. Yeah. That was that was silly. That was silly. It seems silly. I I totally agree with you. Um, and so I know you also spent a lot of trips to Bodo's. Well, your favorite Bodo's bagel. What's that? <laughs> um, it would be a toasted, toasted everything, toasted everything, with regular cream cheese, but then like red onion and then tomato. Oh, I loved it so much. I like yeah. drink about Bodo sometimes. I mean, the carbs were outlandish, but I that is so delicious. That was such an adult thing to say. The carbs. What do you? I know, about? but seriously. Next thing, next thing you know, we're going to be talking about the Atkins diet. Come on, what do you? Know? <laughs> <laughs> what so, was your? Okay. Favorite? Yeah, what my my favorite? Well, it's also very interesting because um, I I know that you know this. They stopped toasting the bagels at Bodo's because their <laughs> their claim is that we're so fresh in terms of how quickly we make the bagels. They don't need to be toasted anymore. Oh no, I don't know if I knew that. Here, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Only so much disappointment I could take, but go ahead. We didn't, we missed graduation by 1991 team. We were winning the national championship. Okay. Let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. So, and that was crazy. I mean, think about that. Like we were in the, you know, the night before we got a letter from the sevens in our hotel. Like who the heck was that from? How cool is that? And uh, Stacy and I, or Robin and I probably stayed together. We Stacy, Robin and I were the captains. And we read it to the team the next morning. It was very special. And Jane Miller, the night before, like gave us this like awesome, like psych talk. It said something like out of the 25 national championships, 25 have come in as the top seed and you guys are going to follow. You're going to be the 26th. So like she was so like, she was so confident in us. And we had this great game plan and we were playing against Maryland, who was somewhat of our arch, arch uh, rival in a way. So anyway, we won that game. We won the, it was the, I should know, but I think it was May 18th. And that was also graduation day from UVA, which is the day that everyone looked forward to, of course. So we missed it, right? We got home late. We all had, you know, late, late night. A bunch of friends met us at the bus and we, we had a great night that night. But then the next morning we went and our deans, did I tell you this? The deans from each of our schools showed up. So imagine that. Monday morning, they're cleaning up the lawn, all like the white wooden chairs are being put away, like there's leaf blowers or whatever they're doing. Like, they're like, stop. We got to let these girls walk down the lawn. We walk down the lawn holding our national championship trophy. We get up to the front. Our parents are there. The deans from each of our schools, like who does that? I will never forget that, right? That they were up there themselves giving each of us our own diploma. Like I was, Tom, I was blown away. I'll never forget that, that they took the time to do that. When it was just, you know, five of us were graduating um, that day. It happened to be the Monday after. But I was, it was something that I uh, will never forget. And there's a, actually in the, cover, the front of the Cavalier Daily or whatever it was, the Charlottesville, you think I'd remember, whatever that was, was a picture of us on the lawn with the uh, rotund in the background um, in our caps and gowns. And it was just, I'll never forget that. So, yes, that's a, that was my last real day. At, uh, at UVA as a student, which is pretty cool. That's beyond special. I mean, that's like, we joke around a lot on this podcast, but that you hear a story like that and you said, yep, yeah. that's where I went to college. That's the place. There was a huge before. college. And they had, the deans decided that they, every one of them. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So now what happened after that graduation? Did you go right home? Did you stay around Charlottesville? What was happening? Yeah, I didn't stay around very long. I went home was trying to get my first job. And you know, one of the, uh, the women I lived with and that we lived in the White House on 14th Street, the, the White House chicks and a bunch of us, a bunch of soccer players, keeping it real, Tom, with your soccer folks with like, you know, Pam Willard and Cindy Cunihiro and Ellen Hill, you know, all those, all those awesome ladies. One of them was uh, Liz Federoff. And she was like, We're, I'm moving out to Aspen. I'm going out to Aspen. My brother did it and I'm going to do it. You want to come? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I think I do. And so we went out, we got jobs. Uh, there were like six of us. She had some buddies from high school come out and we had a great time. And we worked in different roles. I worked for the Aspen Ski Company, as I mentioned, in this uh, nonprofit role, which was for Aspen Supports Kids, which raised money, believe it or not, for kids that lived outside of Aspen that didn't have the means to buy even like a, a ski pass. So what a sad thing to live next to a mountain and not be able to learn how to ski. 
So it was a ski pass and a Saturday program to learn how to ski for kids that lived around Aspen. It was called Aspen Supports Kids. Loved it. I, li- I worked there for two years. So that was my first gig out of college. And uh, I, I loved it out there. How much were you skiing yourself since you hadn't really been a skier up until that point? Did you start to get into it a little bit? I did. I, we, I skied every weekend. I also learned how to cross-country ski because I just thought that was super fun. We did this like hut-to-hut trek um, in the, you know, right there in that, uh, the Aspen Valley. And we did ski during the week, but I had like, a, I worked in an office, this old, um, this old antique uh, ski lift was renovated into an, our office, which was really neat. Like that's where I worked at the bottom of the ski lift. That was this antique kind of home uh, or building, I should say. But we did ski during the week a little bit, especially if it was a beautiful day, beautiful powder day. She's like, everyone take off. Let's go. Let's get out and ski. So I didn't ski like every day, but I probably skied three days a week. And then how long were you there for? And then what was the next step? Two years. And then in the summer, I was a raft guide for Colorado Riff Raft. And uh, that was a blast too. I mean, gosh, I was, when, I, when I was out there, honestly, I was like, I'm never going to leave. But then I had the opportunity to move to Madrid for a year to teach English because I had never been able to spend a semester abroad because I was playing field hockey and lacrosse. And there's really no semester abroad there. Um, and so I lived in Madrid and taught English. And then after that, I was like, all right, now what am I doing? Now, right, now what am I doing? And uh, a friend of mine from Aspen, she had a role. I just kept in touch with her. She had a role in New York for the New York Roadrunners Club as like a coordinator entry level position for to help produce the New York City Marathon and their weekly races. And I started working for her. So it was great. What, I mean, it was just like, I always tell so many students that you come out of UVA or any, really anywhere that just raise your hand. A volunteer. My first job in Aspen because I walked in there and said, you guys need help? No. Oh, so then, so after um, Roadrunners Club, I was there two years. Then I worked for Ask for Macy's Special Events and PR, which wasn't necessarily sports, but we did do large scale events like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which I had a bunch of UVA friends hold like balloons. It was so fun. Like, like what a, like a life moment to like be involved with that. Um, I was there two years and actually, you know, it was funny. So Tiki bar, I also did appearances by athletes and Tiki was one of the, uh, the folks that did an, uh, an appearance with us for like polo fragrance or something. And we had such a good time chatting because, uh, he was an imp and we just shared, we, it was an automatic, right? Once you say that you're like, oh my gosh. And just like the fun stuff that we used to, you know, the antics we would get into. So, uh, we, I reconnected with him. When I had when we, he did an appearance in one of our uh, Macy's stores, and I was there two years, and then there was a role at Wired magazine, and uh, in marketing, and I was like, I don't want to work at Wired. I don't even know what what what, but I really liked the the associate publisher very much, and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Just take a little sidestep. But then after two years there, I realized I want to get back into sports, and there was a role at Sports Illustrated, so I um, luckily started there in marketing, and they people like. Amy Mitchell, Jill Royster, like Havlicek, like so many people that it was like a UVA coming, uh, like a homecoming, going to work at Sports Illustrated. I was there for 11 years. It was awesome. Amazing. 11 years is a long time now, right? So 11 years is great. But what were you doing there? I started in marketing, so helping people sell advertising. And then after two years there, I moved. um, And that was nine years and just straight up advertising sales. So selling advertisements in the magazine, um, everything, you know, every, every week. And I handled different agents, media agencies around New York city. I was really, really much more New York and it was by agency rather than by um, lots of times I do it by industry, but I was an agency. So I went and do these agencies every day, like two or two or three meetings a day with different people in the agency. It was so much fun. Cause like that like jacks me up because it's like meeting new people every day. Were there good perks for working at Sports Illustrated? I assume you got tickets to everything, right? Oh my gosh. Yes, it was incredible. So we had season tickets to everything. So, you know, obviously Knicks, Rangers, right? So MSG, sometimes you'd be there two times a week because clients, you bring it to the SI box and it was such a great experience. And uh, you remember, I remember like eating like, oh my gosh, am I going to have like chicken nuggets for dinner again? Probably. And so we that would be our Madison Square Garden. Then we had Mets and Yankees. And then Jets, Giants. So like, you could be, I mean, 
these, these clients loved it because of the, the positioning that we had within these arenas were, was VIP. So amazing experience of uh, following New York sports with clients. It was a great way to get to know them too. And so I want to make sure just I'm following the chronology a little bit too. Where does Mark, your hubby, come into this? <laughs> I didn't meet him until 96. So I was still working at Sports Illustrated. Okay, when good. I- oh, how about that for coincidence? Okay, perfect. So I got the chronology perfect. So so what was he, were you wooing him through one of these sports games? What was like? What oh was my the- gosh, that's so funny. I never thought about that. He, um, I mean, he, he loves sports as well. And he definitely would go with me when, you know, I had an extra ticket. He would, he would certainly go and be happy about it. But really we like to do is like rollerblade around New York city. So that was our thing. Like when we first started dating, we would rollerblade. Like how funny, like that was a thing. That was like, you go Wait, like, I, is it true that you have a, um, a picture of you rollerblading with legging, like the, the, like leg warmers, you know, like the ones like from fame. Oh my God. You are hysterical. That, if I, if I need to find- Wait, don't pretend like you didn't have them. You definitely had them. You're definitely <laughs> a leg warmer type of gal. Don't, oh, even, so don't, funny. don't you damn lie to us. Sinna. I know. Don't I not have the leg warmers. That would have made it a lot more memorable, Tom. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so Mark is like, he's like smitten with like, you're like athletic, you're taking him to all these great sports games, you eat cheese fries and eat banana split Sundays. Like, you're like the perfect woman for all of us and Mark grabbed your heart. And so then what happened? You got, was was there a marriage in there? Are you guys still dating? What's what's going on? (laughs) We did get married and uh, got married in 99. Um, and we got married outside of Philadelphia, but what was kind of funny is that when we first met, it was like a Harry met Sally type situation when we were both going up to a friend's, uh, place in the Adirondacks and I was his ride. And by the way, I was dating someone, he was dating someone, right? There was no, no, no harm, no foul, no pretenses, no, like, Oh, I'm setting you up. He was my ride. And I get, and I'm training for the marathon at this point. Right. And so I'm like pretty like strict about like my life and trying to like get my, you know, get my act together. I'm training, I'm not drinking. And I pick him up in, in um, Hoboken. There used to be this like place in the corner called like Tequila Sunrise or something like that, very close to that. And I come up there, my little MX6, and he comes and goes, hey, hey. I'm like, oh, hi, you must be Mark. Yeah, I'm Mark. He goes, you gotta give me a minute. He goes into like a deli and gets like a, a six pack of beer and puts it in a, in a, um, a bag and he sits in my car. And, and he's like, I'm like, you can't drink, you can't drink in my car. He's like, whatever, lady. And like cracks open a beer. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's so obnoxious. So that's that was our first like time together, driving up to the Adirondacks, him drinking beer and me driving like scornfully, like, what is he doing? What's he doing? You, know, you, you kind of think about it though. That was the type of guy you would date in college. So you just continued on the trend right you probably when he cracked open that beer you probably like your heart just went pitter patter and you fell in love right (laughs) oh you're so funny yeah i love how you're pretending to be this one person and you're not you're still fourth year uva college person don't you're you're right there the same thing that you liked in the boys then you like now is mark still in the car with you when when the kids are in the car does he just still do that or no he should right when we're up in maine we, he probably does but it's funny you know me so well tom you're uh you are true you speak the truth do you let the kids drink in the car now too <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm sorry. So, okay. So you, you get married, you're working at Sports Illustrated and then what? So in um, 2010, SI.com, our digital part of Sports Illustrated was taken over by Turner. So CNN. So the CNN sales team was going to be selling SI.com. And I raised my hand thinking like, know if it's a good idea to be selling print um note to selves uh 2010 we may not be continuing along the path of magazines this is just a hunch i got so i um a friend of mine from si was over at the pj tour and he had an opening there to uh basically media sales and 
I worked, I started to work with him in 2010. So I left SI, went to go work for the PJ tour in the New York office. So what year was that again? What year? 2010. So, okay. I'm going to just ask the question. Um, it's, at 2010, it was a really male-dominated sport, right? It was still male-dominated at that point. Now it's changed dramatically. But I'm trying to just think, maybe I'm off 10 years. But so what was that like being a female, uh, wildly capable and female, but being in that male-dominated room? It was not unlike SI. So SI was a men's locker room. And Amy Mitchell and Joe Royster would say the same thing. We, we did, we thrived in that. We, we were fine because we didn't take things very personally, but it was, you know, often, you know, the, on the sales team of 12, there were only two of us that were women, maybe three. So there was, we were used to that. And I think if you ask us now, like at the time, did it bother us? I don't even think we thought about it. Right. Like looking back, you think, oh my gosh, you're right. That we well, there weren't that many women. And even at the tour now, I mean, certainly from a management perspective, like highest level, there's not as many women as probably there, there should be and probably that there will be. Interesting. And what do you see going on in your current role? Like what's, what's happening? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? I'm sure people would love to know, you know what you do. So I sell advertising on pjtour.com and our digital platforms, the app becoming even more popular than our, our desktop um, but I also sell television spots that we get on, C- on CBS, NBC, and the Golf Channel. And um, it's, it's really interesting when you ask like, what's going on. Like so much is, has transferred over to social because that's where fans are consuming, particularly golf news. Like they don't necessarily, you know, they're, they're on their phones and they go to the app and, or they're going in their social feeds. And like, that's where we're finding a lot of our sideways um, connecting, you know, our connections are coming from side, you know, not just going to pjtour.com often, I guess almost 50% comes from social. And what, uh, what was going on during the pandemic? Was that a helper or, or detractor? Huge, huge helper. Like up, like our ratings were up like 30% crazy because what else were we doing? <laughs> right. At one point, golf was live. Golf was one of the only live sports really happening. Right. When it first came down. So that was a, a huge help to just in general, the interest in the sport, interest in our players. Um, we are finally getting up to full speed in terms of the numbers of spectators we can permit on these tournament courses. But that was a little scary. I mean, we, our company lost a lot of money by not having in-person spectators, pro-ams, corporate hospitality. That's a big part of our bread and butter is the actual tournament experience, like the on-site activation. That didn't happen for almost, a, I think, over a year. And uh, there are probably, uh, there are a lot of people who golf, who listen. Uh, wh- where's the sport of golf nowadays? Where, where does it go from here? Incredibly, like the National, the National Golf Foundation, which is like the NGF, we get quarterly reports from them that not 2000 and from the whole that 18 months was the highest participation uh, point since tiger played. Remember when tiger first came on in 1997 and there was a huge rush for lots of people, lots of different people picked up a golf club for maybe the first time we saw it again. That's the same numbers. Um, again, where we got up to that same point where people were participating at a crazy level which is great. Now the, now our role is like, how do we keep people playing? So working with like the USGA, you know, the, you know, they, they really run the rules and they have the U S open and then working with the PGA of America. Those are the guys that teach you how to play golf. Um, so USGA, PGA of America, Augusta national, and then the RNA, which is the, um, the British open out in, over in the UK. But anyway, working together to like all, you know, rising tide raises all ships and how do we get more people to play and, be a fan of the sport. It's an easy sport to, to play, right? You're just, I mean, wait, it's an easy sport to play. It's not an easy sport to be very good at, but it's great. You're on a walk, you're outside. It's, ah, it's so awesome. Yeah. It's checking a lot of boxes, right? Yeah. It's social too. Yeah. So tell me, uh, I know you're doing some board work too. Yes. 
Yes. Um, I'm in the sport of golf, I'm in the um, bo the board of the first tee. Do you know what that is? No? No, I don't. So the first tee is a national group that's essentially devised so the kids uh, learn academics and life skills through the lens of golf. And our closest location here, our headquarters here is in Mashalu, which is just north of, the, of New York City in the Bronx. And we have 3,000 kids go through our programs every year. And what an amazing effect the first T has on these kids. Often it might just be to get to a very good high school, Tom, but uh, even more where they'll go on and go on and play golf in college. Like that's like the creme de la creme. Like this year we have a young, a young man from the Bronx who's going to go play golf at Yale. Like, so yeah, I'm on his motherboards. I'm on the, um, the vestry of my church, which is Christ church Rye. We do some great things with Port Chester and um, which is the town next door. And I, we feel like they're underserved and could be um, could be helped, especially on the uh, academic standpoint and enrichment. And um, Women's Golf Day, which I'm involved with, trying to get more girls and women to play golf. And then there's a little sanctuary here in Rye that we try and maintain that's called Edith Reed Wildlife Sanctuary. And we keep it clean, create great programming and um, help keep it safe and secure so that it's always that way. So in your biggest job, you're a mama. I'm a mama. Tell me mama. about the boys. Three boys. I think we line up pretty well, you and I. Um, the 19-year-old is a, a sophomore at University of South Carolina where he plays rugby. And then a 17-year-old, Charlie, who is applying to schools as we speak. Awesome. Uh, oh, wow. Um, he, plays, he plays football, basketball, and rugby um, in high school. And then um, Brady is a ninth grader. So we, you and I line up, I think, at the top and the bottom. Yeah, yeah, right. My Samantha uh, is the ninth grader. And then Spencer is the first year in college. So he's one year. And he's a UVA. Yeah, and he's a UVA. He's a UVA. So cool. I'm trying to get him. I mean, he's applying to UVA. He's applying EA. But he's never been, Tom. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I'm actually going, I'm flying down tomorrow morning. So I'm psyched it's parents weekend. So there's probably no one in the world that's happier than I am right at this moment to be going down and hanging out. No way. That's awesome. Super cool. Super cool. Super cool. So, okay, cool. And so now take it back to UVA. Let's wrap a bow around this. Yeah. What did you take away from UVA that were like, what was the big takeaway for you? It's really funny. I thought about, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days and particularly listening to some of these amazing people that you've had on the, the podcast. It's funny because when you look back, you think like, oh my gosh, it, I, it was crazy. Or I was, uh, I had so much on my plate and you wonder like how you, how you did it. But I mean, we were around really impressive people that were all doing it. It wasn't like, we were like getting up and at him and we all were doing it. Like the people next to us were pushing us along. Right. I feel like we all, we all helped each other because it was what we did. And takeaways from UVA is surround yourself with great people. Right. Like I, I'm pretty, not particular, but I have a, a, a very good style, a solid group of friends. And I always think to myself, like, I want friends that lift me up or that are adding, like, let's, let's pick the people that are adding to your life. Right. And I would recommend that for anybody, um, people that are positive and look for the, the bright side or the doers, um, the people that, you know, don't just speak, but act. Um, but that was a lot of UVA. You have to admit like the folks there, I mean, really decent people and citizens, right? Leaving the, the, a mark on the world in a positive way. When you think back at, 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 especially the imps, it's like, wow, how lucky was I to be surrounded by this group of people that this is who formed my thinking. And, you know, it's not that we weren't individuals, but collectively it, it, it was a powerhouse, absolute powerhouse. Absolutely. And the, the diversity of the kids and, and the, 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 my uh, colleagues that were imps, awesome. I never would have met him otherwise because you know we were in our bubbles playing as sports. That was what very that was a gift of the imps. Being so, able to say, oh my gosh, what do you do for the honor committee? Like, what? You're the head of what? Like the ISC? Like, what does that even mean? You know, I like, say so you like 
you really learn from others and it just opened your mind. It was great. When you think about the M's, what's your favorite word with the letters IMP? Impetus. Ooh, that's a new one. That's Be new the one. starter. Be the yeah. starter. Impetus. Oh, I love that one. That's a great one. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And last but not least, you're visiting the lawn. You're back there today and you bump into the current imps. They just happen to be sitting there having a couple of drinks on the lawn. What do you oh, I love that give, them a, give them a sin, like word of wisdom, impart some knowledge on them or something that they should know before they graduate. I would tell them, and I tell my kids this as they walk out the door and they think I'm absolutely nuts, is this like the quote that says, attack this day with enthusiasm unseen to humankind. Like attack it, like with, be enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic. I promise you the good things will happen. Um, that was actually like our heart, like, you know, the Harbaugh's in, uh, in the NFL. Their dad, sure. their dad said that to them every morning and I pulled it from a call and I'm like, I love this. I love this. So I would tell them that like, don't just kind of like coast through your four years. And it's like, you guys are in a position to be leaders on the, on grounds and take, take advantage of the, all the opportunities you have there because you're surrounded with incredible people like work, go, go together, you know, do the things that you want to do. And it's a precious time. Attack it. I love it. Attack. Attack with enthusiasm, Tom. That's the best you got. Sin, you're awesome. This was great. It was great hanging out with you. Thank you for sharing with Imp Nation what you're up to. There are tons of people who kept saying, how about Sin? How about Sin? How about Sin? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we got to get her on. So we finally got it on. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Have a great time down at Parents Weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Imp Nation. Okay. We're going to get back on track, get a couple more interviews going. By the way, I don't mind if someone like wants to volunteer either themselves or someone else to be on. Let's get that going on. We need to get as many people on here as we can. This has been a blast, not only for me, but for everybody else. And Imp Nation, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Tune in then. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.